Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I met someone recently that did not know that this radio show podcast is connected to a website and videos and an organization. And um, when she met me, she was like, you're the one from the Nachum Siegel show. And I realized this may be a good time to plug myself and our organization, JewInTheCity.com. We are a nonprofit. Um, we found it. We were founded in 2007 to break down stereotypes about religious Jews. We've now expanded in the last few years to uh, reach out to the disenfranchised um, religious community uh, that came to us looking for a way to find positivity in their Judaism. Um, and we really spend a lot of time here on this show and in the organization in general talking to a lot of cool Orthodox Jews. And maybe that's one of the best parts of my job is getting to meet really interesting people who do out-of-the-box things. Um, the guest we have today, I met her several years ago, and I think both of us were kind of just starting out at that point. Um, we were at, I think, a sweet up sort of social media conference for Orthodox, maybe I think Jewish women, if I recall. Um, and she was saying she likes to take pictures and she likes to cook and she's starting this blog. And um, and then, you know, really in the last year, she's really blown up. Um, in fact, even Instagram took note of her and let her take control of the account for the day, which is super cool. Um, and our guest, Hani Apfelbaum, you may know her from Instagram is busy in Brooklyn, um, has really um, done something special for kosher um, for the Jewish people. So, Hani, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I'm just trying to catch you in between consonants because, you know, in November we were at a, a Jewish media conference and then uh, a few weeks ago we were in China together and now you're off to Antwerp very soon. So we're just trying to catch you while you're on the ground. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, very honored to be traveling the world this year, um, promoting my my book, Millennial Kosher. So it's been an amazing experience meeting people from all different walks of life and different communities and bringing my my passion for modernizing traditional Jewish food in, in, a, in a fun and exciting way. So start us off like with your personal journey. Where did you grow up uh, geographically? How did you grow up Jewishly? And what was your relationship to food before you became this food blogger? So uh, I grew up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, uh, which is where I still live, just around the block from my childhood home. Um, I'm Chabad. And um, I grew up with a very little interest in food, actually. <laughs> Never wanted to help my mother in the kitchen, avoided it at all costs. Um, and I got married and I had to feed my husband. That's what happened. So we were making a lot of salami and eggs in the early days. Um, and when I started like hosting friends over for Shabbat lunch and things like that, and I would call my mother on Fridays and ask her for her traditional Jewish recipes and I would follow them. And I wasn't like a particularly good cook or particularly bad cook, but I basically followed a recipe, you know? And um, so I started having friends over and I realized that I had a passion for uh, displaying the food and plating the food nicely. And all my friends started calling me for recipes. And I was like, why are you calling me? I'm not a cook. So that's really what made me sort of realize that Food is so much more than just it, how it tastes, but pre presentation is so important. And they say people eat with their eyes first, and that's so, so true. So because I'm, um, I'm a very visual person, I'm, um, I love being creative. Well, you're a graphic uh, designer by training, yes? Yeah, a web designer, actually. Web designer, okay. Um, they're similar. Um, and 
I, I went to school for, for web design many years ago, and I used to always love scrapbooking and, you know, doing different layouts, composition, a little bit of photography, even though I wasn't that good at it. Um, so I realized that, you know, there is a way for me to express myself creatively with food. So that kind of got me a little bit more interested in it. And I started watching the Food Network and, you know, before it was all about a bunch of, sh you know, uh, competitions and it was actually <laughs> education on there I missed it um and I you know I started uh buying food magazines to, you know to read for Shabbos so I started getting more into the food aspect a little bit um and then fast forward a couple of years I had three kids I didn't really want to work outside the home anymore my husband I had started like posting some things on Facebook when I made like a birthday cake for you know my kid or something cool for like a different you know different holidays and people were like really receptive to it. And my husband's like, why don't you just take what you're doing on Facebook and start a blog? So we talked about it for a while. And then I was like, you know what? Let me just do it. Mm -hmm. My first post was in 2011, January 2011. I, it was Hello World. And I was just like, okay, this is me. Uh, cooking, crafting, and coping is what I called it back in the days. Now it's really just about uh, cooking pretty much. But I talked a little bit about life with uh, young children and you know, cooking my traditional Jewish recipes. Um, and I used to do a lot of crafts like crocheting and, and scrapbooking and things like that. Um, and that's basically how it started. And, and what was amazing was like getting feedback from people and, and going to my blog and seeing messages. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Look at this. What kind of feedback? Just like really like, oh, I love this. And this is great. And this is so many of my interests. And it was very much in the early, early days of blogs. There weren't right. really any kosher blogs on, on, out there. Um, you know, there was like Smitten Kitchen um, was like, you know, the big blog, big blog that, you know, in those days. And, and, I, and I started, you know, really researching the blogs and, and, and look, staring at people's photos and like, how can I do that? Because my, my photography was pretty bad. Um, so from then, I basically kind of, you know, like ignited this fire inside me and uh, this passion that I, I, I never knew I had. And I wanted to just keep giving the more people were giving me, I just wanted to keep, you know, giving them back. So then a few other friends started blogs. So then we built a community together mm -hmm. and we were able to kind of lean on each other. And I think that also like every time a holiday came around, it was like, well, how can you come up with the coolest new hamantash or the coolest yeah. new donut? Because, you know, you want it to go viral. So that, mm -hmm. like, all this, um, uh, I wouldn't say it's competitive. It was just, like, you want to just, you know, you want to have, like, a viral recipe. It's fun, mm -hmm. you know. It, uh, so I kind of, like, got more into it. Um, then for my 30th birthday, my husband surprised me with a, uh, a course at the Kosher Culinary School in Brooklyn. Wow. Uh, the CKCA Center for Kosher Culinary Arts, which has since closed down, um, but reopened, I think, in Marine Park under a different name. Mm -hmm. But um, by that time, like I already refined my cooking skills to, to an extent. And I was, um, I wouldn't say I, I learned so much as far as skills, but what really I learned in culinary school, I went in with the, um, with the attitude that I'm not going to say no to anything. Because I, I, I didn't think of myself as a picky eater, but mm -hmm. I think I kind of was. Mm -hmm. I was kind of stuck in this box. And I, and I always talk about this in my cooking classes. Like, you know, with Ashkenazim, it's paprika and garlic powder. And with Syrians, it's allspice and, 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 and cinnamon. Mm -hmm. um, and we're kind of all stuck in our box. And we don't go out of it. And I really think that 
the first step to becoming a better cook is exploring new flavors. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't taste new things and, and you'll never be able to experiment with different foods, you don't even know how they taste. Um, so I went in with that outlook and like, you know, I went in really not liking fresh ginger and I like grew to love it. Um, and then, you know, cilantro, like I wouldn't touch something that had cilantro in it, but I forced myself. And then I experienced like my first amazing pad thai. So mm -hmm. it's like, that's really what like took me from like this boxed in Ashkenazi Jewish cook to mm -hmm. realizing, wow, there's a whole realm of like ethnic foods out there and cool, amazing flavors that just uh, kosher people are not experiencing. Because mm -hmm. kosher food was, it's, it was a small box at one point. I'm saying I became kosher in the late 90s. And I think there were more gourmet restaurants um, than, than like when my husband grew up kosher. But there's really been a food explosion. So is is it because of the food network and then from the food network sort of all the social media you know foodie stuff began it would do you think that is that sort of like your hypothesis of how um, people got so like food obsessed i think it really started with the blogs okay, okay. because that so i you know that like i was saying in 12 back in 2011 there were really none and then so many you know um home cooks and moms who were just like stay at home moms that wanted to create you know express themselves in some way creatively started blogs and you know more and more blogs were coming up and then and people started you know you know before what was there there was epicurious there wasn't much to find mm -hmm. online and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden there was this amazing you know wealth of of recipes that people had at their fingertips and also like you know people were going out of the box more and like trying different things and not like the only the traditional food so i think it started there and then obviously with you know the food network and 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 everyone you know, picking everything up and then social media, which really, you know, took blogging to a whole nother level. And then with people and then with video Instagram. and all that, it kind of just kept going. But I definitely think that blogging was the first step to this whole culinary evolution that we've experienced in the past few years. So what about, because, you know, I think about sort of the, my mother was, you know, a stay-at-home mom and, you know, cooking for the family was a chore. And I think even if people think about stereotypes about Orthodox women sort of being chained to the stove and, you know, in the home, and then suddenly um, something got turned on its head where now, you know, if you're the Orthodox mama cooking, but you've got this huge Instagram following, suddenly you're super cool. So is that sort of the media side of it? Like once it's sort of presented so beautifully and there's excitement around media, that suddenly something that was kind of people, um, I guess, really, I don't know, looked badly about now suddenly it, it becomes this hip new thing. I mean, look, I think there's still always going to be people that just don't like to cook. I mean, I was just at the Jewish woman's um, entrepreneur event, right? I saw you there last night. Saw you um, there. And, you know, someone came up to me and was like, I hate cooking. I absolutely hate cooking. But if I ever have to cook, you're the only cookbook I use. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. It's not for everyone. Um, but yes, there has definitely been, I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I don't think it's just media. I think it's that the kosher industry has evolved so much. Um, there's like so many amazing new products on the market that make food exciting because it's like, try, you know, you're able to try new things. Um, I think that the kosher uh, restaurant industry has changed so much and they're also like upping, you know, upping the ante on what they're bringing to the table, mm -hmm. um, you know, pun intended. And I think that all those things, you know, really contributed to this whole 
foodie culture that we're experiencing. And then of course, social media, we have like, you know, the restaurant groups on Facebook and so many bloggers on Instagram doing so many different things. So all of these things combined are making people excited about food because it's just not, it's fun now and it's not so boring anymore. So, so you, when you started cooking or started blogging rather, were you blogging for women in your community? Because something that we spoke about over Pesach was that you see this as sort of a type of mitzayim, you know, you are Chabad. Um, and so sort of reaching out to, um, you know, Jews that have had less connection to observance, which I think is totally beautiful, totally speaks to me, trying to make kosher feel updated and relevant in something that's um, that's desirable as opposed to like, ah, nebach, you know, Judaism. So did you intend to speak to this crowd at the beginning when you first got on to Busy in Brooklyn, you know, many years ago? Or have you seen that it's now a, um, a way that you can reach these people? No, I think when I just started, it was just me um, needing an outlet for myself as a mom, because I'm just a very creative person. And I, and I couldn't be that just mom thing staying at home changing diapers it just didn't make me happy and I and I needed an outlet and then I saw that like people in our community were benefiting benefiting from that but I never realized I mean it it really took um Instagram and Instagram stories to be able to reach such a wide range of people all over the world I mean Jews and non-Jews alike I have so many non-Jewish followers um and there's just so many different ways that you can touch people I mean I get messages all the time and it's like sometimes such subtle things that you don't even recognize that you're doing that they get inspired from on so many different levels. Besides for the food itself, just like being out there and um, celebrating my Jewishness proudly, never shying away from it. Um, being a mom of five and still being out there and traveling and going around the world and making a, a business for myself and growing a business while still being religious and still raising a family. So besides, aside from the food aspect itself, the, I think the picture is so much broader than that. And like I said, I mean, I don't also, oh, also writing a cookbook. Like I, I always talk about this. It was a dream I had and I kept pushing it off and saying, you know, I don't have time. It's not the right time in my life. And then, and then I realized there's no such thing as the right time. And if Correct. you want to make a dream happen, you just have to do it. Yeah. And I really took people through the journey of writing the book from the beginning. Like they watched me turn my house into a, into a, you know, um, a photography studio because I shot my own book. I styled my own book. Wow. And, um, you know, just seeing everything happen, testing the recipes over and over and, and, and going through the whole process, which I did very openly, you know, it, 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 it made people realize, you know what, it, maybe if I have a dream, I could also do it and nothing will get in the way. So really there, you know, some, some ways consciously and some ways unconsciously, you don't realize that you're, you're touching people in different ways. And, and that's the beauty of social media. A lot of times we talk about the, the bad parts of it, yeah, um, yeah. but there, there are some really great parts of it. And, and, and you know, you don't totally. really know. I mean, I, I <laughs> we, you know, everything that we do is on social media or, or much of what we do. So um, there's definitely uh, the challenges of it, but um, so much opportunity to really bring um, an authentic picture of what Orthodox life looks like to the larger world when there's so much bad, so much bad reporting, so many awful stories being highlighted to be able to have, you know, good stories and positive stories and happy moments um, recorded um, is beautiful. So let's talk about sort of how you grew the following in the business. And I feel like 
um, I've like only started to take more of an interest in Instagram. Um, I feel like what, and we spoke about this also a little bit, but what we do at you in the city is not so visual. I feel like I just stare at my toes all day cause I just work off the couch. Um, mm. but for a business like yours, it's so visual and there's so many parts to it that I think it just, it lends itself so beautifully to a medium like Instagram. So, um, when did you, I guess, when did you get onto Instagram? When did you start up with the stories? When did the following grow bigger? How did that lead to other publicity? Because you've been on TV and you were eating really good pizza and I wanted to eat the pizza you were eating. So tell us about um, sort of growing the following on Instagram. So I think for me, I mean, really starting back with my blog, something I, um, I went back and forth on a lot was like, do I want to be at the top of a very small niche, which is kosher, or do I want to be on the bottom of a very, 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 very large pool of millions of bloggers? Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that if I want to stand out, really, I, I need to embrace the kosher thing. I need mm -hmm. to be proud of it. I need to own it. Um, and you know, I do think that it does limit you to a certain extent in the food industry because the second, you know, like putting the the, the name kosher on the cover of my cookbook. You know, certain you're not, you're certainly not getting on TV. They're, they think they they think very uh, you know they think kosher is, is very old fashioned and, and it's hard. It's definitely hard um, to you know to be embraced out uh, in the outside uh, of the world. kosher world. Yeah. So I knew I was limiting myself, but I realized that um, it would definitely be more beneficial to be authentic to who I am and rise to the top of my niche. So um, Instagram, I. I think I've been on Instagram for about five years or so. Um, I got in at a very good time. It's like people, you know, nowadays everyone is like, how do I get big on Instagram? And, you don't. and, and everyone, no, it, it is very hard to start now. Yeah. Um, I did get in at a very good time. Um, and I started actually, the reason I opened my account was when I was in culinary school. It was the first day that I was in the culinary school and I basically started posting. I remember I didn't even put a hashtag and somebody commented, use hashtags. <laughs> Um, I didn't know what a hashtag was. So I, I was posting basically everything. We were, there were no stories then. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot of pictures. Yeah. And I was posting basically what we were learning every day. So that was fun to be able to share. And that's why I opened it. Um, you know, obviously they said, you know, stories changed everything for everybody. When, when did stories start? I think it started last year. That, that, that recently? Wow. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was, yeah, I, I think it's about two years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a little bit longer. Okay. So basically, um, you know, people are always like, how do you grow your following? And I, and I have just almost 60,000 followers, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened over mm -hmm. five years and yeah. everyone wants instant gratification. Now, what is Instagram? It's all about instant Instagram, right? Right. <laughs> but you know, you don't grow Instagram success, um, overnight unless you're buying followers or you're doing tons of like loop giveaways, which I totally don't believe in. Yeah. So basically, um, uh, I, I was growing it over, you know, a couple of years, uh, doing a lot of recipes, posting a lot. Um, then the story started, um, Instagram has like different recruiters that like follow, just follow people. And then they, um, you know, sometimes they'll invite bloggers to do a takeover, which you mentioned in the beginning. So, um, I did a, a takeover. You don't actually take over their account. You like film the videos, send them over to them, and then they post it on their account. But I it's they gave you the password. No, just joking. Okay, yeah, got it. Okay. Um, it's called a takeover. And like you introduce yourself, whatever your industry you're in, you know, you you know, because it's you know, I'm in the food industry, I made a recipe for it was for Passover, so I did a Passover recipe. Um and when was this? This was 
I guess like right in the beginning of stories. Um, so I guess about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I even realized, um, also because it was the beginning of stories. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't think that like marketing wise or strategically, you know, I did it like the most professional way. I just shot it in my kitchen, just like I do my regular videos and maybe I would have done it differently today. Um, but in any case, I did get a, a large amount of followers from that. Hmm. Um, and they still follow me now because a lot of times I'll get messages and they'll be like, hi, um, yeah, I'm, fo- I follow you since you took did the Instagram takeover. And usually those people are not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, so that was a big deal. And then, um, because of Instagram stories, what happens is like, obviously you're letting people into your life and into your kitchen. And it's like a whole another level of connection where you're connecting with people very intimately. Um, and people feel much more comfortable. Like, whereas like before it's for people to like come like email you or, or send you a picture of the food they're making or comment on your blog takes more time. And here just sending a DM is not a big deal. So mm-hmm. and everyone is, you know, sharing through Instagram. So then people are making your recipes and they're tagging you and they're sending you pictures. So then you start posting pictures of people making your recipes and then things get, you know, go viral more and it makes mm-hmm. things much more exciting. Cause everyone's like, Oh, everyone's making it. Let me make it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, and you've been covered in the Wall Street Journal, you've been on TV. So what came first? Was it the Instagram takeover with a larger fo- following? Is the media coming after you? Are you sending out pitches around holiday times? Like how does sort of some of that larger media stuff happen? No, I, I'm not very good about PR. Everything I do is very organic because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I really, I always remind myself now, like I have to push back because it's like become so much of a business, but I did sure. start busy in Brooklyn as a hobby and something mm-hmm. that I loved and a passion. Mm-hmm. And the minute like, when you take your, 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 you know, your passion and turn it into a business, sometimes you lose a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that passion. Yeah. Um, and because you just, you know, you turn everything into work and it becomes work. And, and I, and I always like to scale back and remind myself why I'm doing it and do it, you know, out of love for what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have a, you know, a PR person and, and any, anything that I've gotten has just come through, uh, naturally through mm-hmm. people reaching out to me. Um, I was in the wall street journal before and I was, um, I was also um, on TV before Instagram stories. Um, I've had a few recipes go viral mm-hmm. um, because I really always love, you know, pushing uh, pushing the edge of kosher a- 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 in a really fun way. So um, my Hasselback salami is like the first recipe that went viral um, mm-hmm. online. Now they sell it like all over the world at deli counters. They sell wow. it. Uh, I've had my recipe printed on salami packaging. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so that was like my first, um, you know, taste of, of what it's like for a recipe to go viral. Um, and I've had a few since then. So one of them was was um, was poutine latkes, which is poutine is like a, the national dish of Quebec. They do. Have you ever had it? Um, I did. I don't know if I loved them. It's like a gravy over cheese, right? Uh, very heavy. It's yep. yeah, gravy over French fries with cheese curds. And I basically did that to potato latkes. Um, Basically, the Wall Street Journal really loves poutine. <laughs> they take <laughs> poutine, like stories on poutine, so they loved it. They went with it. Then they found, uh, you know, a, a TV. Uh, a, um, it was the Meredith Vieira show. Their producer read about me in the Wall Street Journal, so I ended up on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the thing that you mentioned with the pizza was through Thrillist, which was really cool. They did a whole segment on kosher pizza. So, um, but th- that was more through um, the through the blogging world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So different di different things that, that have happened, um, you know. PR Gorera's PR. The more PR you have, the more people see you, the more they're. Very true. It's, it's also just about, you know, Google Analytics and people searching things and things coming up. So thank God my blog is very popular and it, it does do well uh, on searches. So that's also great. Um, and and to Instagram stories, I think what happens is, um, you know, you, you kind of, you know, move from like, a food blogger to a social media influencer, which is not something I ever like chose or wanted right. or, or, or aspire to in it my life. It shows you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess. So that part is like still weird because like I feel people know my kids' names and they right. recognize me on the street and that whole thing is, is, is it's, it always feels weird, but, um, you know, I, I love meeting people and, and, and hearing how they've been inspired by what I do or even how they love a recipe or whatever, in, every, in whichever which way that I can uh, impact anyone's life in a positive way. It's a great thing. Um, we have about two minutes left. Can, can we like do some sort of like, I guess, wrap up or like sort of any anything to look out for for the future? Let's just give your book a plug. Millennial Kosher. You can get it wherever books are sold. Amazon, all sorts of Judaica stores. Yes. Um, um, then, well, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, pushing myself to think creatively and, and, and do something new. So I have a lot of different things in the works that I can't really talk about right now. But you follow me on Instagram and you'll see things happen. Uh, busy in Brooklyn uh, or busyinbrooklyn.com, my blog, where you can get lots of recipes for the holidays and every day. Um, and that's about it. What do you recommend? Um, what what recommend? Uh, sorry, what recipe do you recommend that um, is on your blog right now that people can um, run over and make for dinner tonight? For dinner tonight, uh, <laughs> or Shabbos, or something. I'm saying, what like what recipe are you most excited about now that um, people should you know stop listening and and run over there to look for? Uh, I think that um, I think my housewax salami. Everyone has to try that. The drunken housewax salami is a must. Um, a really really easy weeknight dinner are my refried bean tacos that my kids absolutely love. We make it every meatless Monday. Um, and Shavuos is coming up, so you can try my cheesy zoodle marinara with zoodles. So you can you know, uh, dial back on the calories now so you can have more cheesecake later. Nice. If <laughs> yeah. only we lived closer, um, Khani, I would come over and eat at your house more often. Um, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for uh, sharing your story. It's really inspirational. It's wonderful that you can turn your passion into a Kiddush Hashem. Um, and we wish you uh, continued Hatzlacha. Thank you so much. Okay, and safe, continued travels. Thank you. thank you. Okay, and thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.